You're listening to Hey guys, welcome to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and entrepreneur here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Let's talk it out. Thank you so much for tuning in for episode 140, Leaving Your Comfort Zone with Helen Wu from Asian Boss Girl. I am very, very honored and excited to have Helen on my podcast, and um, you guys will get to hear the story once we dive into the episode. But before that, I just want to check in with all of you guys and um, send you my love, and I hope that you're staying safe and healthy. I am just at about my one-year mark starting this whole fiasco lifestyle of isolation and quarantine and it is it is wild you guys I cannot believe it's already been almost a year and um, we've all been dealing with challenges and uncertainty and stress of all kinds for the last year or more so just sending you guys a lot of love and um, encouraging you guys to do your best to stay vigilant to keep wearing your mask be responsible when it comes to socializing and yeah get your vaccine when you can you know I believe in science Go get your vaccine. Hopefully we can get back into seeing each other and traveling and doing all the things that we miss so much. Um, But let's do it responsibly. Let's take care of each other and take care of ourselves. Okay? So love you. Hugs. We'll, We'll get through this. So Helen, Helen Wu is Chinese-American. She was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. She's a transplant here in L.A., and she is one-third of the Asian Boss Girl podcast. Um, Her co-hosts are Mel and Janet. Three of them have an amazing platform where they were sharing their journeys working in finance, tech, and media, and balancing their corporate careers with dating and just living that that 20, 30-something life and figuring things out. And so they have been an amazing force um, being a platform to share Asian American women and men and their stories um, and just have reached, honestly, so many different people around the world. It's incredible to see their growth. And Helen has become a friend over the last few years that I just just treasure so much. She is a light and she's so much um, just generous and wanting to help others and be herself and working on that. And that's not a small feat, right, guys? We're all working on that. So just really honored that she took the time to be on, first of all. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys get a lot out of this conversation on leaving comfort zones because Helen has left her corporate job and she's now managing ABG as a media company. And her and her co-hosts are doing that full time, which is absolutely mind-boggling and incredible. So uh, that, amongst many other things, she has taken many twists and turns in her life, as we all have. And it's great to hear her journey and to just kind of commiserate and be there for one another in light of the fact that it's Women's History Month. So we all know that there are so many incredible women out there, and it's honestly my honor and my part of my purpose to share their stories and to shed light on how strong, um, ambitious, creative, resilient, and innovative, and hardworking, and three-dimensional we, are, we all are. It's just, it's honestly a joy. It's like why I love, first of all. And it's awesome for me to have this space for even myself to figure out who I am and do it in real time on air with all of you all over the world. So yeah, this is just, it's really special. And I hope that, you know, we we celebrate this month, but to me, every day is like 
women's history every day. Women are incredibly valuable. I do think that there is a gross undervaluing of who we are um, all over the world. So let's keep loving on our women. Let's give them the respect and praise and value that they deserve and that we deserve. And, you know, together we'll make the world a better place. Sorry to get cheesy, but I mean it. Also, please stay tuned uh, because the outro music this week is provided by Run River North. It's their new single called Spiders, and I freaking love it. It's awesome. And uh, yeah, I hope that you enjoy it. So without further ado, here is episode 140, Leaving Your Comfort Zone with Helen Wu from Asian Boss Girl. Enjoy. Came in 88 with a dream also bright eyed. They knew right away. Okay, I don't know about you guys and your snack habits, but I'm a very big chip fiend, okay? If it's salty and it's crunchy, I love it. And there's something about Asian chips and Asian snacks that just hits home in a completely different way. And I'm very excited because Irvin salted chips are now available in the United States. I first had Irvin's, I think about four years ago when my friend gave me a salmon skin chip. Now, when I saw the bag, I was like, oh my God, that is hella Asian. But me being me, I was like, give it to me. That sounds delicious. And I tried it and I found out why their tagline is hashtag dangerously addictive because they are. Um, And now Singapore's number one snack, we don't have to smuggle it from Asia anymore. Like our moms or like my mom, when she has to smuggle in seaweed and anchovy from Korea, whenever she goes there, we don't have to do that anymore. It is available stateside. And they have another flavor called the salted egg chip. And you guys, they use actual real salted duck egg yolks and fresh curry leaves and red pepper. Like this is not powder flavoring. They actually bake all these real ingredients into the chip because they treat these chips like a culinary masterpiece, okay? So what you can do is go to visit eatirvins.com. That's eatirvins.com. And you can use the code potluck to get free shipping on any online order of Irvin salted egg snacks. Enjoy it. It's delicious. Treat yourself because you deserve it. I don't know what you're saying, though. Mm, don't you know? Yeah. Came in 88 with a dream. Hi, Helen, my darling. How are you? Having me on. Thank you. Um, I am doing okay. We are both sitting in the closet right now, so we're having closet time. Yeah, we got cozy vibes going on, and I have my iced coffee right next to me, so I'm ready for this. You're all set. I actually grabbed a pillow too while you grabbed one. I was like, well, I have one here too. Might as well get comfy. Oh, it has been a year. Um, we're almost at a year now. Actually, I think our episode's coming out at pretty much like the year marker. Can you believe? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Of quarantine. Yes. I was like, wait, of year of what? But yeah. Of this madness. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's like all that occupies my mind. I'm like, we're still in I was this. like, girl, have you been recording so much that this is going to come up at the end of the year? Like, okay, <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm not on that. I'm working on it. Um, But congratulations. Like, this is the first time you've been on my show, which I'm so excited because I know that you've been very busy and gone full time with Asian Boss Girl and like all of that. It's amazing. And I want to like dive into all of that because when we last saw each other in person, I don't know if that was the last time we've bumped into each other since then. But like when we got to like sit down and really talk, that was like at the um, off the mic event, which was like so long lifetimes ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, how's it been, been since then? <laughs> 
It's, I mean, yeah, that's been a long time ago. Um, it's been good, I guess, relatively good. Um, <laughs> it, it has been busy, but, you know, with the whole COVID thing, staying at home, not being able to see friends, I think mm-hmm. I am someone who is a little bit more extroverted. Um, but I think I've grown to be more introverted now with the, the whole pandemic thing. Like, I don't, I don't mind being at home. I did a whole dry January and I was completely fine. I think it's it's mostly like the FOMO aspect of it when, you know, you are at a party and you're not, you know, participating. That's when I, I struggle. But mm. I've been doing okay with all of that, you know? Since everybody's kind of in there, stuck in their corners, it's like, it's chill, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Dry things have been January. Busy. Yes, dry January. I've never done that before. 30 days of, um, of just no alcohol. And, you know, it feels good to be able to wake up early on a Saturday and get shit done. So, um. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you, I'm random, totally random aside. I've noticed that Friday nights I go to sleep the earliest. Is that just me? Do you like, I don't know why. Friday nights. I feel like just like meshes in with every other day of the week oh, now that it. I can't tell when it's a Friday. <laughs> so I actually I- don't know. Yeah. Got it. I was just like, why is it? Why do I like I stay up to like 2am on Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, right? And then Friday yeah. night k- kicks around. And then I'm like, it's nine o'clock. I'm going to bed. Because <laughs> you're tired. If you've been sleeping at 2am all the other days, you're tired by Friday. That makes sense. It's just That's the irony time. of like, it's the one night that I, I'm like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, old lady, old lady vibes. Okay, I feel you on that. <laughs> I've been on that for a long time. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. Um, but yeah, I okay. So I, I know that there's there's a lot of listeners. Actually, I found out that um, a lot of people listen to both of our podcasts, which is really exciting. And I've definitely introduced you and hyped you up because I love doing that for all my guests. I'm everyone's hype woman because um, I love all of you guys. But how would you? What do you have like your elevator pitch down and? Before you actually give it, I want to do the caveat because you did a, a new 2021 episode with ABG that I happened to stumble upon as like I was catching up on your guys' episodes and you mentioned in like your intentions for the year that you were like <laughs> down to be on other people's show and that you had a lot of this uh, uncom- like discomfort with public speaking and you're mm-hmm. like coming to terms with that. It was amazing. So I was uh, putting <laughs> you on the spot and I'm putting that out there as I'm fully aware of that, but I'm really proud of you. and I think it's awesome. So I'm curious, like, have you been working on your elevator pitch and like how you would intro yourself on being on another person's show? Oh man, Minji, you're hitting me harder now. I'm like, I'm like, but I'm here like shaking. Like, I, I feel the you. nerves. I know, I know, I know. I do feel very comfortable on here. So thank you so much for being so yeah. welcoming and being such an amazing person and a hype woman. I really do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did mention this on our podcast. My elevator pitch for for myself or for ABG for yourself. Okay, so. My name is Helen uh, Wu for now. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I, I guess I am engaged. So I, I do plan to change my last name and keep my Wu as part of my middle name. So I will be Helen. It's funny because my middle name is also my Chinese name. So the way that oh. you say it in Chinese is Su Na. But uh-huh. the way that you spell it is S-E-E-Y-A-H. So it's Sia. <laughs> wow okay so it's gonna be helen sia Wu wang 
<laughs> wow, I'm learning things. See, okay, see ya. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, so that's that is my future full name. Um, I am Chinese American, second generation. So my parents are immigrants. I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Graduated from Boston College with a double major in finance and marketing, and I worked at one of the big four accounting firms for about a decade. Um, doing valuing private companies and equity securities, uh, and then this past March, so almost a year from from uh, from now, I quit my job, which is one of the scariest things ever, and pursued ABG full time. Amazing! Yeah. How's that? Well for my done. Elevator pitch? That's a great <laughs> elevator pitch. I need to work on Thank mine. You. Is what I'm realizing. Um, <laughs> Ellen, it's been like, I've had the best time getting to know you because you and I cross paths because of the Asian American creative community, which in some ways feels ginormous and in other ways feels like absolutely tiny. And um, yeah, I got introduced you actually not through Phil even. I got introduced you through Dan from what I remember. Like I, I met you as Dan Matthews' friend mm. um, and then found out that like you and Phil were a thing. And I was like, because <gasps> I didn't know Phil that well, but like, I just want to say for the record, I just think you're one of the most like friendly, like genuinely friendly and welcoming people that I've, I've met. And I, I've talked about this with like Regina, Christine and our group, uh, the group of girls that put together, uh, it's not girls, women off that put mic. together off yes. the mic yeah. that, um, you know, getting, not feeling so intimidated by other women has been a thing for me. And I think that you definitely fall under the category of like a, a woman and girl and female that would intimidate me. But getting to know you has been such a joy because you are you're just a kind person and you're very friendly and you're like, what's up? I want to get to know you. Like, who are you? What are you about? This is who I am. So I just want to say that off the top, because, again, I'm continuing the hype womaning thing. It's it's. It's an important thing for me to have other women that I love and respect on this show because we all have our different mm -hmm. stories and we all have our like inside thoughts that we have about each other. And so that origin story, even though it's like, oh, I met you through Dan, it's loaded because like, what what were your first impressions? And like, you know, what were you feeling and going through that time? So I wanted to kind of document that. <laughs> on the oh podcast. Oh my gosh, Mindy, stop. Am I supposed to start crying? This is we're not even 10 minutes in. You're going to make me start crying. <laughs> I can't. I'm like nervous. I'm going to be crying. I'm going to be a mess on this show. No. Oh, no, no, no. Thank well, if you, you got to cry too, go for it. I've cried here. <laughs> um, wow. but how Thank was you it? So much for sharing that. And You're welcome. You're so welcome. Um, how what was it like for you leaving Boston? Can we start with that because I didn't, I didn't, you know, I found that out about you actually much later. And so coming to LA and like, we're, we're talking about leaving our comfort zone, like kind of the theme of this conversation, right? Um, can yeah. you walk me like what? I love the East Coast. I mean, I, I'm a California lover for sure. I, I rep hard, but like, what, what made you want to leave and come here? You do have a sweatshirt on that says California right now. I do. I can do it. Oh yes, yes it, it does. does. It's a big bear. It does. It. Yes. Didn't even part, um, yeah. So when I left Boston, it was back in 2013. So it's been a couple of years now, eight years now. Um, mm -hmm. But it was, it was a decision that I, I knew I'd wanted to make actually ever since I was in, um, ever since I was 12 years old, I think it was 12. Um, but it, it, I think it was one of my first diary entries that I ever written. And I, Set in there, you know, like hell, because my mom's side of the family lives in California, so I was always visiting every summer, 
And every oh. time I landed um, and got off the plane, the first thing you see is palm trees. And I drew <laughs> palm trees as my first diary entry. And I said, Helen, you have to go to California one day. You have to live here with oh. your popo and your gong gong. And, um, and so it's always been a dream of mine to move to California. And uh, when I applied to college, I did apply to USC, UCLA, um, and a couple of other schools, um, but I got a full ride to Boston College. So I kind of ugh, kind of ended up going there. Oh, I did end up going there, but I was not very happy about that decision. Mm. And uh, I actually, you know, I remember there was a period of time where I was upset at my parents because we didn't grow up in, you know, in wealth. And I thought to myself, like, why can I, you know, make that decision to go to a different college? Like, why do I have to rely on this full scholarship? And so I was I was such a brat, you know, during that <laughs> period of time. And I mean, in hindsight now, I'm just like so fucking, you know, happy that I did have the childhood and the, the upbringing that I did, um, because that does that has shaped me into the person that I am today. Um, and I would be very different if I, if I didn't have that experience. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I ended up going to Boston College and it was it was a good experience. Um, and then afterwards, I was looking for a job and landed a very good job as a finance major working at one of the big four accounting firms doing finance. And so, you know, it kind of felt like I was stumbling into the different, you know, next steps of my life and ended up working there for three years. I had a boyfriend, my, my college boyfriend, my college sweetheart, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were together for about four years. And so it was very difficult to even think about leaving, um, yeah. even though I did. It was in the back of my mind. And I had a lot of conversations with my boyfriend then. Um, and he was very supportive. You know, he was like, I know that this has been a dream of yours for such a long period of time. And I'm, I'm not going to hold you back. And he, he was working for the government and all the government jobs, the engineering jobs was in Rhode Island or, you know, uh, I think San Diego. So nothing in Los Angeles. So it didn't make mm. sense for him to, to move to LA. Um, so that, I remember that, <clears throat> I remember that night when we made that decision or that night when I was going to leave. So we had made that decision. We, we were okay with it and we were deciding if we should stick together or not. And it was literally the night before we were listening to Maroon 5, like when the, when the sun comes up, I forget what the, the song's called, oh. but we literally stayed up till the sun came up and I was crying on the whole plane ride over here. And I was wondering if I had made the right decision, left my family, mm-hmm. left all my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, my best friends are still, you know, from my, like from high school. I, Boston is the city that I've grown up in and, and, and have known and loved and know all the shortcuts to. And can name all the highways, even though there aren't that many. But I know when I'm in California, I'm like, I don't freaking know any of the highways here. So it's just like, you know, the area, you know, you know, it. Yes. And so, um, and it was tough. But at the same time, I knew in my heart that I felt very unsettled, or I felt very settled. And that didn't make me feel good. Um, It it was too complacent of feeling. So, uh, Mm. so yeah, I followed my gut and, you know, made a transfer at work. So that was easy and ended up moving to LA. That is, I just want to sit in that. Like, as you were telling the story, this is what I think comes to such good storytelling is that you can like see what's happening. Mm. This is, I'm now imagining quite like, and because you're, you're Phil's love, I'm just imagining in a very Wong Fu uh, cinematography style. So I'm imagining <laughs> like a very specific look to this, but it is, yeah. that's, that's a big thing. And it's also very timely because I just watched um, To All the Boys I Love Before, yeah, <laughs> part three, yeah. which involves making these big decisions. But there's this high school, of course, but still like those those moments, like 
those are life altering, you know, and Mm -hmm. sometimes you can feel it. And sometimes you have no idea that like the decision you just made just completely changed the trajectory of like the entire rest of your life. But that's like a, that's a big one. And I don't know, I don't know how you feel, but when I look back at like my college self, literally anything under 30 kind of, but uh, definitely, you know, in that, in that younger, you know, 18 to 22 range, I remember how grown I felt in certain ways, but I'm just like, did not feel prepared to make these decisions. And I had an inkling like, okay, these are big. This is, this is big stuff. Like what I choose to major in, I don't know. I'm still not a jury's out on that, but like where I want to settle or where I want to live or where I want to build a career. Like the gravity of that was definitely like getting to me, right? It was like increasingly weighing on me. And so when it comes to making that choice, it's so potentially like for me, I was, it was really overwhelming. Like, what do I choose? And I want to reassure anybody because I know a lot of, you know, under 30s listen to my podcast. Like it never stops. Like your life is just a continuation of making these big decisions. Yeah. But I just kind of recalling that. Did you... Absolutely it sounds like you recognize like this is a big ass deal, this choice that I'm making, obviously you're moving across country. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I knew it was a, it was a big ass deal. Um, How did you guys end it then? So like you, like you, you were, I'm sorry, I'm just stuck in this story. So you stayed up until sunrise and then to you, you guys called it that night. We did. I think it was the moment that we were at the airport, which is kind of crazy. <gasps> we really couldn't decide what to do with it. And you know how usually when you're at the airport, you uh, park and you kind of put on your blinkers and you help, you know, he's helping me take out my luggage. And um, usually right after that, they shoo you away, right? We were parked right outside of the, the door and there was a cop right there. And usually mm-hmm. they're like, okay, move on, move on. You know, it's super busy. But I think they could tell that we were having this moment and they kind of just allowed it. We kind of just like stay there and hugged and cried. And um, and I, I've i never felt this feeling before, but I remember when I walked through like the first set of uh, the, the double doors, the sliding doors, I was just like on my knees because I could not, like I was so heartbroken. And I knew in that moment, we actually didn't say um, whether or not we'd be together, but I knew in that moment that we were done. And I think he knew it too, you know? So the whole plane ride... <clears throat> I was just crying my eyes out. And it's funny because I was on the, on the window seat and there was like a daughter and her mom sitting next to me and the mom kept handing me tissues and she's just like, are you okay? And I'm just like, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Like, sorry, don't mean to like make you feel uncomfortable, but I'm just going to look outside, dab my tears, you know, and uh, wow, yeah, uh, it was, it was a release. It was a release that I think I, I had probably needed to. Yeah. For sure. Well, Grown up Minji wants to go back and hug young Helen and reassure her, but also tell her that I'm very proud of you because that's not an easy thing to ever decide because um, you care about everything. It's not like something, I think something that I've realized and shared in in other ways, but you know, decisions are easy when something's like, something's just shitty and you're like walking away from it. Even then it can be hard, but like when you have something you care about, it means something to you and it has been good to you and but then there's something else that you you know are like pulled to or something else that you're aspiring to and that you need to maybe like in a way sacrifice or just you know grow you grow out of or whatever like that's really freaking hard that's not something that's like oh well I'm done with you now bye like it's do I choose myself or my future and sometimes that doesn't mean including everybody that came before 
right? Like you, right, right. you go and you yeah. grow and sometimes you got to just let go. Yeah. yeah. Whew, I'm going to cry. Um, well, like congrats. <laughs> it's like you come to the land of palm trees and like working for a big, can you enlighten me? Because I too have friends that have worked for big four. And like, when they say I work in finance mm-hmm. and I'm an investment banker or whatever. And like I do consulting. I've heard this for the last like literally 15 plus years of my life. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. You I mean, there are so many different arms within finance. And so what I did was very, I guess, specific, but let me try and um, say it in layman's terms. So um, for me, I would be working with a large company. So some of my clients, um, I think I could say, I mean, I could say this now because I don't work there anymore, but let's say like Johnson and Johnson was one of my bigger ones. And so I was working in the pharmaceutical industry for a while, but anytime they wanted to acquire another company, I would help them to value that company. So how much is this company worth um, from a valuation appraiser's perspective? And so we would assign that value and that would become sort of the transactional value that they can, they can, you know, buy for. So Mm. it is, um, So that's like one part of it. And I think that's the easiest way to explain what I did. But anytime you hear someone say, I value uh, private equities and securities, you're essentially just placing a value on something, usually equity assets, which is what I did. You can do valuations for debt assets, but I did like equity assets. Got it. So what the company actually has a value to offer. Is that yes, or, or how much they would buy another company for. So if they wanted to buy a smaller pharmaceutical company, I would do I would go through their cash flows and look at how much their revenue is and their profit is and look at their market comparables. So other companies that are like it. And if that com- those companies were, say, selling at like $100 million and this company that they want to buy doesn't have any information out there, but they're comparable to that other company, then I can say this company is probably worth around a hundred million. And then you fine tune it by looking at their balance sheet and all of their cash flows and seeing if it is truly comparable or not. Um, and then you can put like a, a similar value on, on the company that they want to buy. So crazy. Yeah. Then that letting that I hope that made sense. It does. <laughs> you're, actually, you're very good at uh, putting that in layman's service. It's very hard. I mean, when I, <laughs> Any industry that is foreign to another person, it is hard to distill everything and all the things into something cohesive and like understandable. I think you did a great job. Now I'm just <laughs> sitting here like thinking about acquisitions and valuations. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that 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 is that is what I did for it. So yeah, it was about ten years that I was doing that, and so looking through. Oh my gosh, I've looked through so many different companies, just financial statements. Um, and doing valuations from them. And there, there is something that, you know, when I remember when I first left at EY, I thought to myself, there, my, my industry is so niche because um, I could take my skills to private equity. I could take my skills to investment banking or to another, you know, big four valuation firm um, or smaller boutique valuation firm. But I, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, I can't do anything else with these skills that I've gained over the past 10 years. You know, like, now I'm going to go be a podcaster. Like what <laughs> skills am I supposed to take my Excel modeling skills? But the funny thing is that now in hindsight, running ABG for almost a year now, full time, there are so many soft skills that I've picked up from my career, whether it's mm-hmm. talking to clients, doing negotiations, building mm-hmm. out an Excel model, figuring out what our you know cash runway is and how much profitability we want to hit and how to get there, how to budget for things. 
all of this, I did not know would be skills that I need and would actually, that would actually be useful to bring into ABG. So um, I think there, I remember there were a lot of times when I was sitting in my finance job and thinking to myself, like, this is not going to help me in the future, but okay. You know, and, and now it's, it's good to know that, you know, anytime you are learning something, you can always take something away and apply it to something different. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. Like, oh, I wish if, if you needed uh, any sort of reassurance or like a pep talk, I would have given it to you because I'm like, girlfriend, you have got like coming from like the, the creative universe. Like I've been in that universe for, you know, over a decade and seeing a lot of different people that are talented in so many different ways. Right. And really they're like hustlers and they, they put their blood, sweat and tears into things. And that is so valuable. And you can't really, you can't replace that with anything else. However, that in and of itself, in my opinion, from what I've observed and experienced, that in and of itself is not going to necessarily move you forward or move you forward at the rate that you want to move forward in like a sustainable way. And by sustainability, I mean money, um, because we all need to Mm -hmm. pay for the closets that we sit in right now. And, um, you know, like, (laughs) I would have told you like, girlfriend, you have got like the gold mine. Not only are you like very articulate, you have the genuine, wonderful personality that people gravitate towards. It's like you have the ability to create an infrastructure for your company that you're making. Because a lot of these creative projects, you know, we're entrepreneurs, essentially, right? Anybody trying to do their Patreon or sell their merch or whatever, right? Or just get sponsored ads or da 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 Like that, essentially, you're you're slowly piecemealing together your business model. But you walked in with like, <laughs> you had a decade of experience. So I'm just like, Helen, can I hire you? Like, can you help me with my oh, cash <laughs> Minji, if you need help with anything, please. No, I would be completely happy to help you all with that. Like, seriously, I've, I've been thinking about this too, that like, a lot of the things that I, I have been able to bring to ABG is like, maybe we can replicate this and I can, you know, help other people with this too. And this is like a, a thought that has been low on my list of priorities, but even helping out like uh, Philip and his cafe, Bopomofo, and helping them build out their forecast and investor deck. Well, I didn't help them build out their investor deck, but just like the financial aspect of it. Like yeah. there, there is something that, you know, I didn't find to be too valuable until I'm now I'm in this industry where it's outside of finance where Finance is a very valuable asset to and skill to have when you're an oh entertainer because gosh. when you're in the entertainment industry because there there are so many things where it's like you have to be self sufficient and you have to figure things out on your own and a lot of times you have to yes like you were saying figure out that sustainability aspect of it to be able to fulfill these passions and dreams that you have of you know doing mm-hmm. the work that you want to personally do. So yeah, let me, let, I'm happy to help you. So happy to help you. If oh my God. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like soliciting Helen's services on my podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but we're also uh, potentially, uh, we're like, uh, what do you call it? Debuting like you as a financial consultant, because I'm telling, well, I'm also seeing this translating kind of across the board, even outside of entertainment, because it's, I think money in general is such a sensitive topic and it's such a, it's, mm. a you know, so many cultures, especially in America and in Asian culture, like such a uh, specific, very weighted thing that we consider a sign of success. And like, we measure ourselves a lot on this on this money aspect. And like, 
you know, that that's like a whole other conversation of itself, which I would love to like hear your thoughts on, but it's just, even if you don't like make that your whole life, right. Your, your life's not all about making money. There's a necessity to it. Like you still need it. You need to buy food and you need to like provide for your family and things like that. So I just don't, my critique on um, the American education system, which is very lacking in a lot of ways, like we are not educated very well on money in general. Um, like I, I mm-hmm. barely understood if I don't even think I truly understood like how taxes worked. I didn't understand. Like I just worked, you know what I mean? I like kind of like if I just assume there's like, there's like this system and I just plug into it and I fill out my paperwork mm. and I get paid and I don't know what FICA is like or social security didn't understand how any of those systems work. I didn't understand like how I was supposed to be saving for um, retirement. That was just like this word that was thrown around. And so I just think that, yeah. you know, you're embedded in the finance world. And so therefore you kind of not intentionally, but you kind of took it for granted because you're just in it. And then everybody else is like, we're just right. like staring up at the sky and being like, am I getting a paycheck? Yeah. <laughs> Can I pay for my Netflix? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I also remember when I first started working, like the, the personal finance stuff. Yeah, no one talks about it at in school. There was, I don't think I, there's no personal finance classes or at least none that I took. It was always like corporate finance and how to deal with like, big company money stuff and it's nothing that applies to me and it's 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 really uh, a lot of it is there's a disconnect for sure there the, it doesn't transfer as well from like company finances to personal finances so i remember when i start, first started working it's like all right start signing up for your 401k do this do this blah 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 and i'm like okay take my money roth sure take a certain percentage <laughs> you match you match six percent all right i'll put in six percent and you're gonna match it you know like who, yeah. i had no idea what i was doing either um, and a part of me still, now that I'm outside of that system, I have to figure it out for myself now. Mm. And I'm still, that's on my to-do list, like still figure it out. I've done enough to just kind of sustain, but now it's like, how do I actually start investing in things instead of relying on my mutual funds that have transferred over from my, from my accounts. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely not, it's not, it's not an easy process at all. Yeah. No, no. A lot of people talk about it enough. Yeah. I mean, because it, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, you're Chinese American. I'm Korean American. There's a lot of, I mean, Korean Americans are so obsessed with like image and like appearing that you have XYZ altogether, that you are, you know, the perfect religious uh, example. And like you're, mm. you believe in Jesus, but even though you go clubbing every, you know, weekend, you <laughs> do drugs and all that stuff and hook up. But then, you know, and then you, you look pretty and you wear all the right, you have the right K beauty uh, 12 step program and you also drive like a nice car and like, and that's the, that's the culture I grew up in, in terms of like just appearing to know a lot of things or having it together, but not necessarily being required to actually know what is <laughs> happening and to actually mm-hmm. have it together. Those are two different things, right? So I think there's a lot of catching up that I feel like I'm doing and uh, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. So I think it's really great that you know, at least you and I can be open about those those uncomfortable feelings because in order to be sustainable, to level up, to make ABG like fly, which it has been, and I'm so curious to like learn more about that. Um, you have to be able to admit those things. Like I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I think I need to read yeah, a book or yeah. <laughs> watch some YouTube videos. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's. 
Yeah, it's that whole like, you know, and that's I think that's also where a source of a lot of people's imposter syndrome comes from, too. It's a lot of people put out that face and that front that they have it together. But at the back end of it, like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. You know, we're mm-hmm. just Googling shit like everyone else out there. We're just trying to YouTube things and mm-hmm. ask I mean, not our parents, because my parents don't really know like what they're doing with their money either. So I have to help them now. But there's a lot of Googling going on behind the scenes for anyone else, for anyone out there who is feeling like they're lost. We are just as lost as you are. And we're doing the work too to try to figure it out. 100%. That's so interesting that you say that about parents, because that was that's a really, it's been a really eye opening experience for me to recognize like not in a disrespectful way but really realize how much my parents don't know because that was always the default way that I I operated right and that's just natural like you're born and like you trust your parents with your life therefore you assume they know what the heck they're doing they know that this is the right decision you kind of blindly follow and as you become an adult you start to question or push back or rebel and I'm personally at this stage where I'm having a lot more open conversations since the last maybe like five years with my parents about their finances, like getting the true, like mm. what's the situation. And it's been very um, eye opening and kind of frightening. I was like, Oh, so I thought this whole time it was <laughs> not like this and not to hate on them, but like, <laughs> like you said, they've been doing the best that they can with what they had at their disposal. And that doesn't mean that they had all the right levers to pull for life insurance or for retirement. And like the way that they planned or didn't plan is becoming really clear to me and like where they're getting their advice from Mm -hmm. even. I'm just like, really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my parents be getting their advice from uh, WeChat and I'm like, mom, don't do that. Please (laughs) stop getting your news from WeChat. Stop sending me all of these. You're like taking up my phone space because I save everything to my camera roll. Stop (laughs) sending me all these like, you know, she'll, she'll send me things like, you know, anytime you there's like egg, like there's eggs on your, your windshield, like make sure you don't wipe your windshield because then you can't see and then someone's going to come and attack you. And I'm just like, in what? Okay, I I get it. Sure. But (laughs) please don't send me every single scenario that can happen to me in this world. Because you're going to be sending me a lot of things. But that's Aww. literally like her WeChat messages to me. <laughs> Your family so is so, so sweet. I love it. But that's her love language, right? It's just like to, to worry about you and fret about like your safety and well-being. Yeah. Yeah, do you do sure. you talk to your parents like do you do they ever ask you for your advice since like your background is working in finance were you ever like a financial advisor to them or did they ever kind of like entrust you with those kinds of things not at all they they've never I mean I, it seems like they know what they're doing I, I actually have never really asked them about their you know financial situation and um, I just know that uh, when I was in when I first started working like the way that we kind of the way that money played in our family it was like I never grew up feeling like I didn't have enough or uh, that that we were like grew up poor and now when I'm older and I think about it and I I did hold a lot of shame also with you know the location where I grew up in which is right in the city of Boston uh, next to Boston University and it was in an apartment building that you know other college students were living in so with Harris is like family in this apartment building adjacent to this, you know, party, party city neighborhood. Um, but my apartment building, we had, it was such a loving home though. We had my family, um, my parents, my sister and my grandparents living on the third floor. My second floor was my dad's uh, sister and the, her family on the second floor. And then the first floor was his other sister. 
So we had this whole building. We would leave our doors open. We would be climbing the stairs and Aww. all the kids would be like taking over the sidewalks. And um, so I never felt like we didn't have a lot growing up. And uh, now that, you know, Philip and I are in the house searching process and looking at like square footage and things like that. And we're like, okay, well, let's try and do like 1500. And then I looked at my old apartment just to see like how big that space was. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, we had six people in there. It was, no. less than a th- it was less than a thousand square feet. And I was just like, wait, for real? Like we were able to survive in a thousand square feet, six people. That's so many people. Wow. Um, and yeah. And I, but I think the way that, you know, we handled money was that my parents always never, they never gave us an allowance. It was always, if you need money, let me know. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think because of that, I never asked them for money because I could kind of see the situation that we were in. And, uh, right after I started working, like I would, my sister and I helped to pay off the the mortgage and their car loan. And I remember that was such like a good feeling because like we never were stingy about money. And that's how I feel about like friends, um, and family members. It's like, if you have, you can help and give, and there's no like, oh, she gave me $2. So now she she owes me, you know, and now I owe her $2 or like the other way around. But like, I'm never like stingy with money for with, with regards to people that I love because that's just the type of house that I grew up in that's um, so beautiful but yeah but at the same time then I didn't really know how to manage my money because it was kind of just like <laughs> if you need it here it is like keep working hard and get more and it's like okay so. <laughs> well luckily I mean don't don't I didn't sleep on the fact that you mentioned like you got a full ride to college like Mm, I mean, I know that you're a smart cookie. You're not getting in, you know, big four for because you, you didn't study your butt off and didn't earn that. But like, dang, girl, like, I mean, there, there's so much to all of our backstories about maybe like you don't really realize everything. Obviously, everything's 2020 in hindsight. You know, you don't you don't recognize either the hardship or the privilege that you may have grown up with because you were just living it right. You're present in it and you're living your best life. And I love that. I don't know. I just, I, I can feel the warmth of your family and I'm imagining actually remember the photos because your engagement happened right by where you grew up yeah. and, you know, kind of seeing it doesn't, it's kind of like where a lot of people are reevaluating their, what matters the most, like what, what value, right? Do you need mm-hmm. thousands of square feet or do you need a loving household where you can like, Dude, I'm sorry, yeah. like living with my my cousins and my friends, that's like a bomb ass situation. I don't want to live like miles away from them. I want to live a floor away and play. And like that's honestly yeah. how I grew up too in um in in the Bay Area in Cupertino. We we lived in a townhouse complex and I had the best childhood because of that. Cause my friends were literally next door and like a few doors away. And we all had like a shared community so space cool. where we played kickball and we freaking swam at the swimming pool. Like I was living the life, but my parents were always just obsessed, like, oh, we didn't have a house until you were such and such years old. And I was like, and like, why are you apologizing to me about that like I was living my best life yeah. why did you take me away from my friends it's like what I'm saying <laughs> yeah it's funny how I think the older generation like and I see this within like uh, our, our friends parents too is just like they want to buy the biggest house for two mm-hmm. people just like them and their husband my, my mom's friend and their husband is just like what for what like are you to not be able to find them like you want to be as far away from them as possible like has been that long where you just can't stand them anymore I don't know but I'm like it does that really represent success and 
I, and it's funny that you mentioned that earlier about like, you know, you want to just grow up, what you value is that you want to grow up in a happy home. I tell Philip that all the time. I tell him all the time, like some one, I would say like small strain that we have in our relationship right now is that he's working his ass off. Like he is mm-hmm. doing so many things, cafe, Wang Fu, scripts, doing so many different things mm-hmm. and he doesn't stop. And, um, and I, and then I told him, I was like, he was like, and, sorry. And he was like, um, when we get a house, I want to make sure that we have a house that we're happy in and that we can you know, raise a family and that they're in a safe neighborhood and all this stuff. And I've told him, I was like, Philip, I don't, I don't care if we have like a big house. I don't care if we, you know, are in the somewhat not as nice neighborhood. Like I, I want us to be just in a happy home. And I know you're busy right now, but we got to carve time for us because my, my love language is quality time. So you better be showing me quality time (laughs) and carving out time to do that, you know? And so exactly. And so it's been a process and a lot of discussion and conversation. And, and, you know, we are on the same page now where I totally respect what he is doing, like totally completely. And like late at night, we are always working till like 2am, both of us Mm -hmm. and just sitting side by side. And sometimes that is just the quiet time that we have together. Um, But I mean, you know, a month goes by and I'm like, boy, are we going on a date this month or what? Like, hello, did you carve out time? You remember what I said last month? So. Aww, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You guys, honestly, and I think the thing that shines, because like, again, I was saying like a lot of people had known you as being um, Phil's girlfriend at the time. And, and I knew you as Dan's friend and like learning about you again, your, your origin story to somebody is like, it kind of helps shed light on like how you interpret them. But like, I, I definitely knew, I, automatically knew your friendly person your go-getter right because and that's also how dan was like describing he's like oh i think you need me helen she's dope like she's awesome she's like such a all these great things and we all love dan um but it's like knowing that you're this very ambitious person and that you had all this stuff going on in this corporate life and then when you're dating phil because i know you guys have gone through such a transformation over the years that you've been together and i've gotten to know more that which would love to hear more about it's it's like the thing that I think I saw because I didn't know either of you too well, obviously in the beginning is that there was a lot of respect between the two of you. And like, there's something about like seeing people that are really partners. Cause like I've def I've definitely dated dudes where like we weren't on the same page and we definitely weren't. It was more just like, Oh, I think you're cute. And like, let's hang out or mm-hmm. we have similar interests, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> equal like, we got each other's back or we're like ride or dies together. That's a very special, like that's a, that's a special connection. I think that some, some couples have, and that's what I, I kind of, I felt that vibe from you guys like really early on. And I really liked that about you, even though I didn't know either of you guys that well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I remember when I first started dating Philip, I was not in the sort of the creative space at all. And I was definitely his plus one all the time, you know, and I would go around and meet people and, I still remember some of the people who were not as nice to me or not as, you know, trying to get to know me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to remember you one day when I get to where, you know, I'm in the place, the space you're playing in. I'm going to remember you. But, <laughs> but he, maybe I'll tell you later. But, <laughs> um, but no, he always did such a good job of just like bringing me around and introducing me. He did such a good job of introducing me. Like even, even when I brought him to my holiday parties, 
I realized that it does take effort to, you know, when you're seeing a friend and you just want to be like, Hey, what's up? You know, like Jenny, like, how are you doing? And you just want to get into conversation. It's like, no, this is my, you know, you gotta, you gotta introduce. And he did a very yeah. good job of constantly doing that. And I, and I felt that um, definitely from him. Um, and our relationship, as you know, like did not start out the smoothest. Um, <laughs> this was back in, you know, 2013 when I first moved to LA. So I had just broken up with my boyfriend then, as I had mentioned, and um, newly single. And I was, I'm, I'm someone who always has a boyfriend, serial monogamous, mm. monogamy. I don't know what the right word is, but I was always <laughs> in a serial monogamous. Yes. <laughs> and he was also always in a relationship and he had also just um, broken off with his girlfriend at the time. So it was literally within that like first month that we started hanging out and we're like, okay, should we jump into this? There was clearly an attraction there. There was clearly, you know, we, we had the same values. We had the same, we were vibing very well. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that every time I think about that period of time, it was like such the perfect time for us to be together because we were finally single, but it was also the worst time for us to be together because we were just newly single. Yeah. And so that resulted in a lot of, you know, breaking up and getting back together and breaking up. I think we broke up and got back together like four times. Really? Yeah. It was, it was a little um, excessive, but I remember. Well, there are people I know that are more than that, but like, yeah. (laughs) Subjective, subjective. Yeah. I, I totally don't like judge whenever someone is going through an on and off situation because, you know, I was when I was talking to my friends, my girlfriends during that time, they were just like, dump his ass, like he's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. And of course, <laughs> a part of me is thinking that, right? But mm-hmm. they don't know the full details. And whenever you talk to your girlfriends about this stuff, usually it's like all the negative stuff. And uh-huh. obviously that's all they can, you know, take in and, and respond back to. Um, but I knew I knew for myself that I, I felt like he might have been the one, but maybe just not in the right moment. So I always think about timing. Timing makes such a big difference in relationships. Um, and it got to, you know, the fourth, I think, breakup that we had that I, I was just like, I'm going to move on. Like now you're putting mm-hmm. my worth on the line. And uh, not only that, but me being around is a handicap to your progress in the changes that you need to make in your solo isolated time thinking to yourself, you know? And, and so I made that decision to just completely you know, cut him out on Snapchat. That's what we were using back then. Cut him out <laughs> on like the socials. And and of course I would take like Mel's phone and I'd be like, hey, what's he up to? Can you look at it just so he doesn't see that I'm looking at it? You know? Of course, of course. And we all yeah. got our strategies. Shoot. Exactly. But yeah, that was, that was just not, it was, an e- it was not an easy time, but we kept coming back together. And there was something like that, like gravitational pull that, you know, I just knew that something was here and we were willing to work on it and we were willing to go through all the struggles together um, and, and figuring out how to make it work with each other. So that's sort of, you know, the backstory of our relationship and girl, it's not easy. No, it is not. I didn't know it was four times. Cause in my, I thought, um, I remember you had told me you guys had broken up and got back together. So in my mind, I thought it was like twice. Um, but four, I mean, yeah, it, it is what it is because who knows that's the thing we're all kind of looking for answers i feel like we're we're like looking for examples of like am i am i going through something normal am i the crazy one am i coming back to something toxic and i think those are all like totally worthy important questions to ask um but it's like depends on where you're at in life 
2020? Like, have you had, like mm-hmm. what you said, I, and we were, we were talking about this. I think even back at the time I was dating Kenji and we we're doing off the mic, but like, even then we were having troubles. And like, I remember I was like, Helen, I want to, I need to talk to you because, you know, I, I want to mm-hmm. talk to, 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 I have, I have amazing girlfriends and I freaking love them and they've all given me their, I I feel like I have really good girlfriends because they, they don't um tell me what I want to hear. They don't, they don't like, uh, they, they look out for like my, um, not in a mean way, but they call me out on like, well, you know, that like you have these kinds of hurts and you know, you have this kind of tendency and like, the, so they're not sugarcoating things. Um, and a lot of them are married now. So I kind of like, they hadn't gone through the same kind of like breakup and makeup thing. And that's like when you were sharing that about you and Phil, I was like, mm-hmm. Helen, can I talk to you? Cause I need to, I'm having a really rough time. Cause we were <laughs> fighting so much at the time. It was so hard to like, do you keep trying to power through or do you just let it go? Right. Like that's, those are hard, uncomfortable ass questions. Cause it's not like you don't care about them. It's just like, this isn't working right, right. now. Yeah. I mean, what it comes down to is just, you know, when someone decides that it's not worth it to keep fighting anymore, then that's where, you know, that's where the relationship ends. And as long as there's still fight in, in you, not, not towards each other, but trying to really just have those conversations to figure out what it is, you know, deeply innately, not just on the surface level, but what is causing the fight? Why are you being so sensitive to this? Is it, does it come from something from like childhood? Does it come from something, you know, an experience that you've had that you feel insecure about and maybe you don't want to talk about, but it comes out in, in the form of lashing out. Like, let's talk about that stuff. And Philip and I, I've never uh, argued or discussed things with like another significant other ever in my whole life. Like I'm someone who pretty much avoids controversy. Like I'm, I'm pretty resilient in the fact that I can just bounce back the next day and be like, okay, like that was, that was an event. Like, woohoo, like we can, we can move on from this. <laughs> but, on. Yes. But with Philip, it was like, let's talk about it. And I remember mm. there were times where I was just like, do we have to talk about everything? <laughs> Although <laughs> now I do see that there is so much value. And sometimes I, I'm, I'm the one that like starts the communication process now. Cause I'm like, there's so much value when you do talk about these things. And it, it, that's why everyone always says like over communicate. We over communicate about so many things, but now we don't fight mm-hmm. as much because we've fought about almost everything that we can fight about. Um, right. and, and I don't even see it as like fighting anymore. It's like having the discussion, the difficult discussions that can get heated because you are very, um, you're, you're, you're personally attached to the things that you are saying. Um, and you right. really wish that they could just figure it out with you, but you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta work those details out. Um, so yeah, I would, for anyone that's in like a difficult relationship you feel like you're fighting all the time maybe try and change that perspective to be you know just trying to understand each other and where they're coming from for sure i i had to go through a lot of eating humble pie in all the difficulties that arose it's funny because i had dealt with you know hard conversations in previous relations i was told i've been like you 100 and being a total serial monogamist and i think mm-hmm. for me uh before even kenji and i got back together that's the longest i had been single like officially i was dating guys in between then um and i was you know still having my codependent you know tendencies and all that stuff because i'd like romanticize mm-hmm. things so much and i i'm a very sensitive person and i i love love so you know when you get butterflies you get that shit's strong like it can take you on a ride and like yeah. no i'm being single i'm being single right now i'm not i'm not getting in a relationship but like having that time <laughs> to, like 
figure out how to say no and how to take time for myself and enjoy being alone was like huge for me. And even after Kenji and I broke Mm -hmm. up, like Mm -hmm. I was still working through a lot of things of like, why am I projecting certain things on him on and noticing patterns on like past boyfriends? Like I would seek things out and validations and like attention or whatever these requirements I would have on boyfriends when I was like, I would like to give that to myself. I don't think that I wouldn't want when I put myself in their shoes, like I wouldn't want someone demanding that of me and using that as like some conditional form of like, well, if you can't do this, then I'm not, I don't want to be with you. Like that would suck to be on the receiving side. And so I had a lot of humble pie that I had to eat girl, like really asking and That's taking kind of like, a look at it. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, it's tough. It's tough, but it's important. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you and I talked about, go ahead. Sorry, the lag. No, I was just going to say that, um, like, before Philip and I, you know, got engaged, there were a lot of internal things that I was working on. And, um, and I told myself, like, you know, Helen, you must fully love yourself before you can allow yourself to be in a marriage type relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. And I gone through therapy um, largely because of that, because I, I said, you know, I can't rely on Philip for my happiness. I can't rely on someone else. You have to be able to figure that out yourself or else it's going to come out in very negative ways towards people that you love. Um, and that was, that was my piece of humble pie. That was a difficult <laughs> experience, but you know, it's, I think it's absolutely necessary to figure that out. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And like those little things, I remember, um, one of our chats uh, when we were planning off the mic, we were talking about, uh, living together like with you know with a partner and like fighting about the dishes and socks like that was a big ass deal because you know it's not about the socks and it's not about the dishes it's about like respect and consideration Mm -hmm. and and contribution like it was you know a lot about lifestyle and do you do you respect my space and do you respect my do you appreciate my effort like those are like the things so just a lot of us know these things, but I still think it's worth like calling out sometimes because, you know, it, it felt so nice to have that validated between you and me. I was like, oh, my God, I know that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it happens with everyone. It happens with everyone. Yes. Was that really uncomfortable? Because you were saying like you had moved in with Phil, right? And like that was like the that new uncomfortable zone that well, like a new area that you guys were like figuring out together was living together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we live in a loft, so we don't have a proper door other than for our bathrooms. Um, And so being in quarantine together, you know (laughs) what? I think it actually, it was actually kind of nice. Like I, I, I'm going to say that I actually do enjoy when he's around because he is, he does have a cafe, both people for cafe. So he is usually there. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we're stuck indoors together all the time, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are definitely moments where, you know, I'm recording something and I'm like, I need 60 <laughs> seconds to record this. Please shut the fuck up. And then <laughs> I will now. record it. And I hear like a slight little movement. And I'm just like, come on. Like, oh, like, did I not just say like, I'm I like 60 seconds. Exactly. Like, you know this, you know the space well, you know recording, you know turning off your fridge, you know shutting the fuck up, like, but you're not doing it right now. Why? Why? And um, <laughs> that was that was definitely, uh, that was one of the more recent things that we've learned to overcome. So every time I do have something that I need to record, I will communicate with them 
way in advance and say, I got to do this. Don't bother me, please. And he will actually leave and go somewhere or go to the cafe. And that is our little contract that we have together now so that we're not getting into like a heated space. Because when you're focused, when you're focused on recording something, you're focused. And when someone takes Mm -hmm. you out of that focus, you get mad at them. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's well, because you're making something that like, it's going to be kind of consumed by the masses, you wouldn't just like haphazardly put on food and like not clean wash your hands and like be prepared. And like, somebody just like, it's like, so like you did all that to prepare a meal. And then somebody's like, hey, throws like garbage at you. And you're like, bitch, I just got yeah. ready for this. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's awesome. And, and the worst, the worst is when he, the worst is when he's like, um, he's, he's trying to do something. Like maybe it's like opening up a bag to get like chips or something or like bread or something, something soft and quiet. <laughs> but then you hear him slowly doing it. And it's just like, just do it. Get it over with. Get out of there. Like stop. stop. <laughs> like peeling back the nails or something. It's so bad. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. It's so funny. I'm just like, why, why do I know you? And why do I choose to s- spend time with you <laughs> go away no but and it's funny because um those small little things that seem so inconsequential I mean when you get to know somebody and you're that like intimately intertwined with him it's like yeah I accept you as you are I love your soul I support your dreams but oh my god if you eat around me I'm going to kill you like <laughs> I'm gonna break up with you and we're, we're done exactly <laughs> Uh, and I think uh, relationships are always evolving too. And I'm curious like what that's been like, cause you're, I mean, I love that we've gone through this timeline and I could talk to you for 8 million hours, Helen. And when you chose to like walk away, I I'm thousand percent. And you've already told me that like Phil was really supportive of you making that transition. But I know that that thought had been on your mind for a really long time, right? Like um, leaving the finance world, pursuing creative things, just kind of having any sort of like new chapter. Right. And that's that's another huge decision probably like another huge milestone like how do you how did you come to that decision was it like a really prolonged like did you come to like a decision and then the next day you're like gave your two weeks or like what what let you kind of make the leap from hey I'm mm. we have these two separate worlds I'm over here in corporate you're doing the creative thing I'm here like working a very stable situation. Now I'm going to go like take this creative thing that I started on the side and make it like my full-time thing. There's a lot there, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that was a decision that I think um, Philip definitely supported. He was, I mean, he, he was actually a huge advocate of me leaving ever since I, ever since he saw me in the space, in the type of headspace, mental space, physical space that I was in working that job because it's, I mean, you hear the horror stories all the time. It's, you know, you come home super late, you have a, you have dinner that, you know, it gets expensive, but usually it's greasy, it's, you know, takeout food. Um, and I was not sleeping well. I was sleeping like three, three to five hours a day, maybe. Um, and that was just like the lifestyle that I, I had gotten so accustomed to. And he was the one that said, Helen, you can do better than this. And I'm like, no, Philip, I cannot. Don't tell me what I what I don't know, you know, and he, he always, another, another, you know, stream that was on a relationship is that he always told me he could see so much more potential in me than what I was already doing with my life. And I remember when I had heard that, um, I was thinking to myself, like, Oh, are you not happy with the person that I am today? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to date me for future me that can't happen. Like you got to date me for current me or else you're going to make me feel like I'm not worthy and that I'm not enough right now. So mm. 
that was although his intentions were always good when he said that because you know him believing in me is a positive but I took it as a negative during that time Um, and he's always been such a huge cheerleader for me to find my passion find the things that will make me happy Uh, and I and I did believe at the time when I was working that job that I was happy you know I was fulfilling all of the things that my parents and society had told me this is the right thing for you to do you know, you're, mm. you have a good paying job, you're going to be able to buy a nice house, you have a you have a BMW convertible, like, come on, like, what else do you want, Helen, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're building these relationships, and, and, you know, building up your business acumen, and, and you have so many connections here. And it just felt like that was what I had gone so good at, too, that it would have been very difficult for me to leave to do something completely different. I didn't know what my other skills were. I was like, I'm very good at Excel. What else can I do with myself? You know, and that's it, a good it, skill. I mean, it is, it is, and it is. Now I know that it is right. But in in the moment, I was so stuck in that world, and Philip was the only person that told me that I could do something more. So mm-hmm. when I decided to leave, he, you know, was right on board with me. He was like, "All right, now we got two creatives in this house and uh, two creatives incomes." I'm like, "Yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure, we'll figure this out." Um, but yeah, no, he's he's always been a huge cheerleader for me. Um, and, and I made that decision to leave because, um, I just, I mean, there were a number of reasons why I left one of the, which, oh man, this like goes deep, but like there, there's like queen beanness. There's, you know, people who will throw you on their bus. There's, um, mm. just this feeling of, I'm never going to get out of this. And I knew that I wasn't completely happy. Um, and I had to challenge my own value system to figure out what, it, why do I value, you know, financial stability so much? Why do I need to work towards this in my, in my life? And I realized that it's because that's what, you know, growing up in a less than a thousand square foot home, like that was what I knew. Like you have to have, you have to be able to put food on the table, you know, yeah. to have a happy family. You have to be able to support not just yourself, you know, I, I don't see myself in isolation. I see myself as part of my, my nuclear family. Like I got to support them when I can. And my ultimate dream is to buy my, my parents, a single family house with a backyard so that she can grow mm. her own vegetables, you know? And, um, and so I think when I reevaluated what my values were, I, I realized that financial stability is no longer high on my list of priorities and it takes time. That, I think that's what it is. A lot of people don't realize that this stuff of reflecting and really thinking about your life takes time. And sometimes it takes therapy. You can feel completely okay, right, with yourself, complacent. Like, I'm good. I lead a happy life. There's nothing super wrong, not super great either. But then when you go to therapy, you do take that time to slow down and really reflect on the things that are important in your life. And you start reflecting on your value system. You start figuring out what are the paths that can, that you can take that can actually make you happy and not just Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that was a huge, you know, all of that. It's like, it was like a storm all coming together. The whole, you know, queen bee thing, dealing with employees, dealing with blah, blah, blah. All of that came together for, to me, uh, to make that decision to leave my job. And I will say that it was probably the best decision that I'd ever made. Good for you. Helen, I'm so I'm like over the moon because not only because I think that what you've done is, you know, inspiring to the masses, but it's for you like as a person. Not that many people have like not that many people have the the guts to do that and it it just 
it blesses a lot of our own like turmoil, like to give it hope, right? Because mm-hmm. again, like I said, the reason why these decisions are so meaningful and getting getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is so valuable is because they change your life the most. Things are not like when you're going from easy to easy. Well, there you go. You went from easy to easy. When you are able to kind of muck your way through all of the stuff and all of the layers of um, whatever programming and the self-limiting beliefs or or the, the true like practical challenges that you have, like not everybody has this is where I've recognized my privilege. Like I, yeah, my parents were not like super rich, but I, I was not responsible for their economic well being. They, they could, and I have friends that like have been supporting their families and I didn't know that. Right. Like I didn't know when I would talk to certain friends, I'd be like, well, why are you here? This sucky job. Like you're, you're unhappy, like go somewhere else. And that's where we just have to also check ourselves and when we get older and mature to like recognize that maybe there's a lot more to the story that you don't know. Like I found out through having these kinds of conversations. Like I've, I have friends who've been supporting their younger siblings, their families. And like, I'm like, Holy shit, I had no idea. And it checks me to be like, I've had a lot more freedom that maybe I didn't um, appreciate. And now I do. And then now I want to be able to like say, Hey, then I do have more at my disposal to make these hard decisions, quote unquote, um, that maybe I can, you know, take advantage of, of this luxury of time and space and, and resources to like, go do what I want to do. Like kind of, it just lowers the bar of like difficulty. And I don't know, there's just a lot there. And I'm just so happy that you did that for you, Helen, because I think my woo woo side of like being very like spiritual and believing in divine timing and all that stuff. I do think that when we are able to make those hard decisions and like go forward on that and be brave and courageous and like do what's true to your heart as cliche as that sounds like you're then better positioned to like actualize all this stuff. Like you're not going to not be financially stable just because you've now taken ABG and you left EY. Like that's a big thing to leave like a steady big paycheck, but you're going to take that and put that energy into ABG, which you have. And it's like, you guys have had an amazing year and like, I'm just truly inspired. I've learned a lot from watching how you have have thrived with that channel. And um, I haven't told you guys, like, I wanted to give up on my podcast a million times over, but it's just like, we're also reminding each other and ourselves, like we do it cause we love it. And cause we're hopefully putting something of value into the universe, which I know you guys have. And that's why your fans love you so much. And, you know, and your stuff is really cute and you also are smart and strategic and you collaborate with Jeanette and create like amazing, <laughs> fabulous merch and like, I just, I don't know. I'm just on a long stream of consciousness because I, I I really admire your decision to leave. And um, it's not an easy thing to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it, it does. I do feel there's definitely a lot of validation from the community and from even just myself feeling that feeling of fulfillment and knowing that you know, yes, we are still going like over 40 hours a week. This is still a full-time job and I'm still, you know, up late doing things, but I'm doing it for a different purpose now. And I feel that. And it feels, it feels good. I think it always feels good to go through shit so that, you know, when you're in a good place, that Mm. is something that I will always, you know, what you were saying earlier about living, being, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. I know now when I'm in a position of I'm sweating, my skin is crawling, like, (laughs) cool, you know, like sit in this. (laughs) 
this is good. You know, even like when we started first started, you know, recording, I mean, I've told you, and you, you mentioned this before, but I have always had this like fear of public speaking. And I mean, sitting behind a desk job for 10 years, you know, no one asks you, can you tell me your story? What is your, you know, what is, where'd you grow up? Like, what's your childhood? Like, at work, everyone always, you know, asks like, oh, did you watch the game yesterday? I'm like, no, I did not watch the game. Did you, you know, what did you do this weekend? How was your weekend? And these are almost like rhetorical <laughs> questions where it's surface level questions. They don't really care about like how you are. It's just getting your work done and getting out of there. Yeah. So, it, like this whole, you know, starting a podcast has, has not been easy. But I think the reason why I do feel so empowered to continue doing this is because it, I, I know that my fear I know that the purpose of what I am doing is greater than the fear of doing it. And that is why I continue to show up and continue to do it. Um, and it's uncomfortable, but I always tell myself, you know, when your voice is trembling, Helen, like maybe acknowledge it, say you're nervous, you know, say, say what, say what it is. Cause not a lot of people talk about the process um, mm-hmm. behind what is going on. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be my vulnerable self with the podcast, you know, even being on here. Um, and it's, it's nice. And I know that the more I do this, the more comfortable I am going to get with it. And if you had asked me a year ago to do this podcast, and I know Minji, like, <laughs> don't hate me, but I have been, you know, you know, strategically there's been scheduling issues, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I felt it. Okay. It's okay. But I it's, felt it's, it. It's because I was fucking nervous. I mean, and that's that's the truth of it. I'm just like 30 year old woman that's been sitting behind a desk for her whole life and doesn't know how to like really feel confident in her story. So um, I guess just like, and I say this on our podcast, Asian Boss Girl all the time, that it's like, our stories are so unique and special. And I wish that everyone could see that. Um, and I tell myself, I feed myself that medicine all the time. I'm like, Helen, your story is special. Go on, go on these podcasts and tell your story. So, yes. you know, we got to do it. And, I, and especially, I think nowadays, especially, you know, with all of the, the anti-Asian stuff going on at the, at the core of it too, there's something about, we got to be proud of our stories and our struggles and not just highlight the positive, but also the negative and everything that mm-hmm. we go through because people need to humanize us. And yep. we have to also believe that ourselves to humanize ourselves. So there's, there's incredible power in storytelling. And if that's something that I can bring to Asian Boss Girl and, and coming to your podcast, like, you know, get out of your fears, Helen, and, and do that. that. That is what it is important. Thank you. Oh, girl, I'm giving you a giant, giant, giant hug through the screen because that is... And I think this is very telling of where I think a lot of content creation and art in general is going is that um, story is king and queen because you can have all the bells and whistles. You can have tons of beautiful people, lots of special effects. But at the end of the day, I think maybe it's just a result of us consuming so much content and media and like being able to discern, you know, when something's real. And I think authenticity, right? Like that word gets thrown out a lot. And it kind of is like this this buzzword these days. But at the at the heart of it, I think it's just like we want honesty. You know, we're not trying to like mm-hmm. uh, honestly. That's like why I like a lot of the TikTok that ends up on my feed. I know there's a lot of TikTok out there to be consumed, but what ends up on my algorithm is like a lot of like flawed 
people with textured skin and like having a bad hair day, but they're just trying to make people laugh or they're trying to pray for you, tell you that you're a badass bitch and like that you are amazing. And (laughs) I appreciate that because I'm like, this is kind of us in our truest form. It's not us in our most polished. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think Instagram, like as much as we can hate on it, it is what it is. And we kind of know that Instagram is a highlight reel. Therefore, we can't expect Instagram Mm -hmm. to necessarily be, oh, this is all of our real life. Like, no, these are like moments that we want to commemorate. Right. But um, Mm -hmm. behind that, we're realizing everyone has a true story. They have hardships, they have pain. And I do think that things like um, what you are doing, hopefully what I'm able to do um, is, is lending itself to other people being able to feel that and do it themselves. Like that's honestly what I've kind of established at least for myself in 2021 intention was I, I've been through some like really dark things um, that I'm not ashamed of, but like I didn't want to fixate on because I wanted to put something positive. But I realized in the process of trying to always put out positive things, I was like, the positivity is positive because of the darkness you went through. So that it's all Mm -hmm. part of the story. The good doesn't come without the bad. And so it helped me kind of open up a little bit more and um, be more real about the bad as much as the good and to share things that maybe I didn't feel for a lot of different reasons deserved as much airtime. But now I'm like, no, 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 no. I think that's actually maybe more valuable is the the hard stuff, like the difficult stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I heard this quote recently where, where it's like your greatest weaknesses are your greatest strengths. And if you Mm -hmm. think about that, it's so, it is so true. Those perceived weaknesses are what set you apart and make you unique from someone else who is similar to you you know and if you really Mm -hmm. believe that then that becomes part of your true authentic story that makes you incredibly special so it's just like how do we how do we change our perspective on our on our weaknesses and sort of harness that to to feel really okay with being in a negative space because you know that if you are someone who is constantly trying to progress and constantly trying to make things better that negative space is going to get better you're always working towards the positive right and so don't mm-hmm. and, and I think about this all the time it's like whenever my friend is struggling with something I'm like I, I I don't minimize obviously by saying like you're gonna get out of this don't worry but it makes me almost happy to be like I'm glad you're in this space right now and they're like you crazy why are you saying that but it's like no it's because <laughs> you're doing the work you're trying to really figure it out and you're learning so much about yourself right now what you you're setting boundaries for yourself also what you can't have in your life and what you want more of in your life. And you're going to go towards mm-hmm. the direction of the things that you want in life. And this is good, you know? And I, and yeah, I, I hope that everyone out there listening is, is, you know, taking, taking that piece of information today. If that's, if that is all you take away. I think that's a very important and perfectly said thing to bring it all together. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm now reevaluating a lot of things. I've been in that introspective mode. It's definitely this year long of uh, unintended majority isolation. Um, but I think that's no wiser w- words have never been said, Helen. I thank you for <laughs> like, seriously, it's, it, it means a lot to me because, and that's why I never wanted to push you also because I'm your friend and I'm never, I'm not going to, I was like, if she's not ready to be on my show, it's all fine. I'm not going to take it personal, but uh, I, I'm really honored that like you'd be down and that like you, you are not just a person that's like saying stuff. It's like people you are a person that you, you said you were willing, you're down to like be on other people's show because that's your intention. And here you are. 
like you're acting on it. And I can tell. I know. know. (laughs) Like before we started recording, I was like, oh, no, I really wanted like my job is to make sure that she feels comfortable and that she feels welcome and safe to talk with me. But I was like, I just want to help her feel comfortable. But regardless, like that's also your journey that you're going to feel like, oh, shit, what am I doing here? I was like, yes, I'm doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck, Minji, you're you're so amazing. You've made me feel so comfortable on this. So I thank you so, so much for doing this. This is the first time I have done a full-length podcast where it's just about myself on anyone's podcast. So you are the first one really? to be... Yes, I and that, I, when I say that I've never... I really do avoid this stuff. I really do avoid this stuff. But, you know, you're, you're making me feel very comfortable about this. And even when I feel like I'm just going off sharing my story, I'm like, hey, Helen, you're doing the work. Like, there's a little... I have like two yeah. brains. I have like the one brain that's like thinking and the other brain that's like, go Helen, go. <laughs> Good. Oh my God. So I love lame. that. <laughs> no, it is not. That's amazing. That's this is what this is where like therapy and all of the meditating meditating. I'm telling you, this is one of those other like cliches like, oh, well, you want to find yourself like go go meditate on a mountain, bro. Like meditating is uh, I don't care how, you know, privileged woo woo sounding it is. It is it is a mighty, mighty tool to kind of step outside your thoughts, slow the hell down and and give yourself space to like just exist and not judge and not to kind of be 10 steps ahead. That is something I truly struggle with. It is something that is like honestly stood in my way in so many ways, even on this podcast, because I've held back. There's a lot of episodes that I had said that I wanted to do that I even said on air and that I never like did because I overthought it. And I'm like, like I'm telling, I'm, I'm like just letting you know, Helen, like, I may be cert- uh, comfortable in sharing certain things or like talking about myself, but in other ways, I feel like so, so uncomfortable and and self-conscious. Like I've told you guys, this is where like it was great working on off the mic with you guys um, just to kind of bring home the message that I said earlier about women supporting other women that I've had a lot of mm-hmm. imposter syndrome and just comparison obsession with like other women that I genuinely admire and that I look up to and I think are killing it and that are so great for xyz reason and just feeling like I don't measure up to that and that means like promoting my own stuff on Instagram like making my own website or like having the audacity to like have merch and off the mic was the gateway for me making my stickers and that was a big ass deal for me because I didn't feel like I was worthy of having something to like tangibly share I was like who the hell would want this and like it was it was a weird, uncomfortable, strange, but very empowering like experience to do that in tandem with you and with Christine and Regina because I look up to all of you guys. I feel very different from you guys and I didn't know how to occupy that space in a way where like I fully felt like myself and I wasn't just trying to like put on a face and try to look like I have it together. Yeah. I, I learned how to be vulnerable with you guys and to you know, just own who the hell I am, at least start to. So we're all working on it, you right. know? Oh my gosh. Minji, you are such an incredible, infectious person. Like you are, oh, you are just such a light. And honestly, like I, I would not want to be on anyone else's podcast for the first one other than yours, because you, you are, I knew that you would make me feel comfortable. I knew that you would be, you know, conversational. You hold conversation so well, Minji. Like this is a, a freaking skill. Like you are <laughs> through and through an amazing podcaster you're exactly where you need to be. And I freaking love you. You're amazing. Thank so you. Helen. Oh, I love you so much. 
Well, I'm definitely like continuing to follow the journey. You know, like we got a lot of life left to live. I'm excited for everything that ABG is doing. Like literally you guys are like, you guys are seriously supporting so many other creators while also having space for yourself. And then like you mentioned, you know, we're in a rough time with the Asian American community. That's an ongoing conversation. And so hopefully we'll all do our piece to try to just make the world a better place and make ourselves kind of understand and heal and own the <laughs> the sucky uncomfortable like what the hell am i doing part of life um yeah. we'll be fine do you have any um closing remarks or like want to tell people where to find you because we're gonna I've, I've done the hype in but i definitely want to leave space for you to like talk about your work and everything y'all are doing oh yeah now you can find us on asian boss girl uh we are on spotify uh google podcasts all the podcasting platforms and you can see check out what we're doing on instagram asian boss girl my personal instagram is h woo woo so you can catch me there and yeah we have some exciting stuff coming up but i think a lot of it is just trying to figure out how to diversify for and this is like the finance nerd to me is like how do we diversify our various revenue streams so that we can always be you know stable and uh, and hit our goals. So um, I think we're, you know, we're trying to expand, we're trying to grow, we have our YouTube channel going on, we have a newsletter, we have the podcast, we're trying out stereo. Um, and we have some pretty exciting projects that are coming up. So yeah, check our Instagram, we'll, we'll be posting on there. Excellent. So, so excited for you. And also congratulations. Um, I know that there's like the whole storyline of what's happening with you and Phil. I'm, I'm surprised how little we talked about that. I was like totally ready to like go. I wanted to know all the wedding plans and like all that. Um, but it's just awesome. We're excited. We'll keep following along the story and definitely like you're welcome back whenever you want to be on. First of all, I would love to have you back here. I would love to be back on as well. Thank you. Mindy. Yay. Thank you, Helen. All right, that's it for this uh, episode with Helen Wu. And yeah, take care, guys. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All with Helen Wu. Thank you, Helen, for being such an amazing guest. And I hope that you guys will go check out her work uh, with Mel and Janet on Asian Boss Girl. You can find them at Asian Boss Girl or the website AsianBossGirl.com. You can follow Helen at HWooWoo on Instagram. And if you enjoyed First of All, you can subscribe and follow, leave a five-star review and or share with a friend because all of that helps support me and hopefully gets all these stories out there into the universe so we can celebrate amazing Asian American women. So thank you to my Patreon patrons. Uh, you guys are the best. I appreciate you guys so much. You help me keep this microphone on. And if you'd like to support me and the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And if you would like to support in other ways, you can go to my website, firstofallpod.com. There are links to PayPal, Amazon Wishlist, and also my blog. Um, the blog is a new thing. I'm still populating it with the resources that I've mentioned uh, recently and in way past episodes. I definitely want it to just be a resource for everyone to get links and things like that, um, recipes even, of things that I've mentioned along the way. So excited to share more of those things with all of you so that you guys have those resources available. So go check that out. You can follow me at First of All Pod on Instagram. My personal page is at Minjeezy. And please follow either one or both because I'll be sharing updates on more stuff that I'm going to be doing on Clubhouse and Twitch because that's fun. And it's been a lot of, I don't know, it's just been really exciting to share 
more stories with a lot of different kinds of people. I'm having a lot more fun getting into this this year. So do follow along. There will be more opportunities for us to talk directly to one another and for us to like dialogue live. It's really exciting. So check that out. Thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you for holding it down, Marv. You're the best. And thank you to my amazing, first of all, teammate, Juliana Deer. You are wonderful. And I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Please go check out uh, some of these other amazing Asian American storytellers and podcasters. Thank you to Uzu Han for use of his song, Uzu Trap, for our intro. And for our outro this week, we have Run River North with their new single, Spiders. I love this song. And also, sidebar, I'll be making a Spotify playlist so that we can keep track of all the amazing music that is being featured here on First of All. So that's it for this week. Take care of yourselves. I love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.